You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. And good morning, or just entering, good afternoon, wherever you may be. You are here live on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. I am your host for the next 30 minutes, Dr. Jeff Werber, and I'm here for you. I'm here for your pets. I'm here for whatever you want to talk about, pet-related, and um, we want you to call in. I, it's a live call-in show, and it's interesting because we'll get emails and I'll uh, occasionally get a note, a personal email. And yet, here we are, live, free advice to answer any of your questions. All you got to do is pick up the phone, call 877-385-8882. Once again, write this number down, area code 877-385-8882. And let's start talking. Let's start talking pets. I want to uh, thank our sponsors, ProSense Pet Products and Kong Toys. Kong, great stuff. ProSense products that you can buy in your mass markets like Walmarts and Walgreens and Targets and yet get veterinary quality at mass retail pricing. Not a bad deal. And anything you want to talk about, you need to get a hold of me. It seems like even here in Los Angeles, and I always boast about our gorgeous weather here in LA, and uh, yet last night and today, we are getting rain. And uh, very unusual. My dogs are, you know, so funny because I have five dogs and uh, the three big ones, my two Labradors and my Labradoodle, you know, spent a lot of time outdoors. Yesterday, they were swimming. It was gorgeous. And we knew that the, the clouds were coming. It started about uh, yesterday evening. And last night, it was raining. They're outside now. Fortunately, it's not raining. But man, the, the, it's ominous clouds out there. And, um, I, you know, I usually don't mind because I am an avid snowboarder. And last season, in our really, really great places to snowboard or ski, uh, Mammoth Mountain, for example, it was one of the worst years ever. It was like, you know, I get this pass. It's a season pass. Yeah, I figured if you have to go at least three times to make it worth it. And anything after that is gravy. And so I was all excited once again to get my pass. I did not make it to Mammoth once. That's how bad it was. So they talk about this El Nino. And so I, you know, once in a while, I don't mind having a lot of rain here in LA because if I have a lot of rain here, that means in the Sierras and the mountains, it's snowing. And uh, that makes me a happy camper. Anyway, once again, give us a call. You can also send me, you can join in on the conversation. Log on to PetLifeRadio.com. You click on the Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff tab. And right there, there's a little box. Join the conversation. That's all you need to do is join the conversation. And we can talk right there. And you can also send an email to drjeff, that's Dr. Jeff, at PetLifeRadio.com. One of the things I want to start today, and I, and I would really like to hear from somebody, just hear from different opinions about what your veterinarians are recommending, what you think you should be recommending, and especially if any of you are out there that are doing rescue work or are breeders. And I mean, you know, really responsible, legitimate breeders. I want to hear from you as well, because what I have found and I continue to find, and it gets to the point where I get, you know, I'm a little shocked and surprised, actually, given the fact that there is so much new data out and recommendations on the part of the veterinary community have been changing for quite a while. I am dismayed at some of the veterinary hospitals, certain one chain veterinary hospital in particular, but I wanted to kind of set the record straight. If nothing else, and I don't expect you to always listen to me or what I do in my practice, 
you know, and pulling from my 30 plus years of experience. No, I want to just sort of set that the ball in motion to go speak to your veterinarians. And if you do rescue work, to start reading some more contemporary information. If you are a breeder, then and don't take breeders, anyone out there, don't take this the wrong way, but I feel that I will sometimes get some information from breeders that literally is 20 years old. I can often tell how long a breeder's been breeding based on the vaccine records and history and their recommendations that they recommend for their puppy purchasers. It just blows my mind. So let's talk about a few things. Number one, the basic vaccine schedule. Let's talk dogs now. That is pretty much accepted by all. And this is in the perfect world. And I'll get to that in a minute. Eight, 12, and 16 weeks. We will give a distemper parvo vaccine at all three, eight, 12, 16. It is felt that if you are going to use the Bordetella vaccine, you only need to do it twice. I do it at 12 and 16. So there is your basic puppy schedule. Once again, 8, 12, and 16 weeks. Rabies need not be given in a series. Rabies, the vaccine, is only given once. And depending on municipality, local regulations, etc., it is often recommended at 16 weeks, which now sort of introduces my first dilemma. So we'll get to that in a minute. What vaccines does one give? What should you think about giving for your pet? What discussion should you think of having with your veterinarian when it comes to vaccines? And my job here on Pet Life Radio is just to provide the data, the education, not to make decisions for you. I leave that up to you and your personal veterinarians. But I want to just get some fodder, some food for thought. So the current, in most cases now, and I have to underline most, unfortunately, not all, but in most instances, we are now recommending what we call core vaccines. Core vaccines are the basic vaccines prevalent in any given area where your pet is at risk. For example, there are many vaccines out there that are appropriate for certain conditions, for certain pets, for certain locales, but not for all. So your core vaccines, for example, in the Dakotas may be different than New York, than Florida, than California, and even within a state. When you're in a very large state where there could be many different terrains, weather conditions, etc., then again, the core vaccines might differ. So I'm going to speak now about what I'm familiar with, and we can also mention some other vaccines and decide together if we believe they're core or not. So again, here in LA, it's typically your distemper, your parvo, and we do give Bordetella. Bordetella, by the way, Bordetella bronchoseptica is an upper respiratory bacterium, note, not a virus. It is often combined with a parainfluenza vaccine as well, but it is the lay term for a Bordetella infection is infectious tracheobronchitis. That's actually the medical term. The lay term is kennel cough. And lay terms kind of make me nervous sometimes. Why? Because I often hear, well, I don't ever take my dog to a kennel, so I don't need that vaccine. Ah, I see. So do you ever go to a groomer? Oh, yeah, we get them groomed every so often. Oh, okay. Have you ever gone to the veterinarian with your dog? Oh, yes. Well, then you need this injection because it is a respiratory contagious bacterium. And they call it kennel cough because, yes, obviously, in kennel environments, it's very prevalent, but it doesn't have to be with a kennel. I actually often joke back and say, I don't like to call it kennel cough. I like to call it live in L.A. cough. 
I like to call it, take a dog for your walk at the beach cough or on Melrose cough or go to the groomer cough, go to the vet cough, go to the doggy daycare cough. It is everywhere where there seems to be a fair number of dogs congregating and therefore I recommend protection unless you have a dog that does really goes nowhere except your high-rise apartment on the 40th floor along Wilshire Corridor and is trained to go to the bathroom on a fake grass on the balcony. Short of that, in certain areas where there's prevalence, I think it should be part of the core vaccine. Now, having said that, now you get an idea of what core means. Let's talk about some other vaccines. Let's talk about, for example, Lyme disease. Now, if you don't have Lyme disease in your area, it should not be a core vaccine. If you are in the Northeast, where Lyme disease is sometimes endemic, then of course, every dog should be vaccinated against Lyme. How about the rattlesnake vaccine? Well, my dogs don't go hiking in the mountainous regions that have rattlesnakes, in the national parks, wherever you might find them. So therefore, I don't recommend it as a routine. However, when a client of mine comes in and says, we do a lot of hiking in the mountains, and we know we've seen snakes, we know that they exist, then yes, we are going to give a rattlesnake vaccine. So what we're finding out, how about corona? I've talked about this one before, and I often say this, and I want you to think about this. This is just some food for thought. But if a vaccine or the risk of getting a vaccine might be worse than the chance of picking up the disease or than the disease itself, then why are you vaccinating? I mean, how, how many of you have gone to the doctor to get a vaccine, if there was one, there probably isn't, for a 24-hour stomach flu. Would you run to the doctor for that? How often have you gotten a 24-hour stomach flu? I'm not talking food poisoning. I'm actually talking a stomach virus that lasts about a day. Would you vaccinate for it? No, if you were getting it all the time, clearly then there might be this flu bug in your environment, and yeah, get a vaccine. But coronavirus for me is just that. It's a 24-hour fast, a little vomiting, maybe a diarrhea for a day. Treat it symptomatically. You're done. Do I want to waste a vaccine on that? At what point do we say to ourselves, are we giving too many vaccines? Of course, I believe in vaccine. And when we're dealing with diseases, A, that are deadly, B, that are prevalent in an area, then absolutely we want to vaccinate. But I think we're overdoing it. So, what I do, because I don't like giving, as I alluded to earlier, that rabies shot on the same day, 16 weeks, as our final set of the distemper, the parvovirus, and the bordetella, I kind of push rabies off another three or four weeks. I just don't like giving that many in one day. I think the chances of reaction are greater. I think the immune system can handle it. If I've, I've spoken to immunologists before. The immune system can handle thousands right, of antigens at the same time, but the vaccines themselves can cause reactions, often because of what they're made in, they're what we call adjuvants. And do we want to increase and enhance the chances of a reaction by giving so many in one day? So my feeling is that I know a lot of veterinarians and some of the, the naturopaths that also believe that, yes, vaccine has its place, but they'll actually give monovalent vaccines, meaning they won't give that distemper adenotype 2 parinfluenza parvo, the DA2PV vaccine, what they're going to give is just distemper, and then a week later, just the parvo, and they split it up. And you know, that's okay, too. If, if that's the way your veterinarian likes to do it, I have no problem with that, as long as a schedule is followed. Now, the issue I have with, oh, let's talk about more thing. 
If you have an adult dog or a dog who is over three months, four months, and you have no vaccine history, do you need to give a set of three? And the answer is no, you do not. In order to achieve the benefit of a vaccine, which is the the priming of the immune system, and then to enhance what's called an amnestic or a memory response to that particular antigen, that disease, if you will, all you need is two. Why then do we give three? Well, because we know that mom's passive immunity, and that's why I mentioned the first thing I said is in the perfect world, we're assuming that the puppy had a chance to nurse and get some passive immunity from mother, which comes from colostrum during the first 36 to 48 hours of nursing. So if this puppy had colostrum at the very beginning, even in the first day, day and a half, then we feel that mother's passive immunity is going to be good for about six to eight weeks, preferably eight weeks. So if you give a vaccine much before that, you are going to interfere to neutralize that immunity given by mom, the passive immunity. And guess what? Now you have a puppy with no protection whatsoever. So when I see these papers coming from breeders that are still giving six-week vaccines, when you know they're breeders, you knew the puppy's nursed, I cringe because they actually could be doing this dog, this puppy, a disservice rather than a service. So keep that thought in mind. We're going to take a quick break here. Don't go away. We'll talk more about vaccines right here on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. I'm home. My hair looks cute. Now what? Bringing home a puppy or new dog is exciting, and he's depending on you to keep him in good health. Dogs need special care to keep them healthy as they grow throughout their entire life. Caring for their health is critical in all stages. With ProSense, it's simple and convenient to give your dog the care it needs with effective and quality products that treat, prevent, and provide essential daily vitamins and minerals. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. Do you know that moment when your dirty dog's about to jump in your nice, clean car? You can avoid all the cleanup and mess with a 4K9 seat cover. 4K9s makes heavy-duty seat covers and cargo liners that will blend seamlessly with the interior of your vehicle. You can find us at 4K9s.com. That's the number 4, K-N-I-N-E-S.com or on Amazon.com. 4K9s makes nothing but the best for your best friend. Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats. Because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Natural Treats. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted natural meaty bones. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com. 
Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> And welcome back. You are here live with Dr. Jeff Werber talking about vaccines. I want to hear from you. Give us a call, 877-385-8882. Or go ahead, just log on. If you're following us online right now, click on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. You'll see my box come up and then a nice big white box. Type your message here. Join in on that conversation. Let's hear what you have to say. Let's hear what your breeders have to say. Let's hear what the rescue groups you work with have to say. So we just talked about before the break that the six-week vaccine makes me very nervous. Giving three vaccines to dogs that are already over 12 weeks makes me very nervous. So what do I recommend? Let's say you have this dog coming in, and it's young. I mean, young, it's two, three, four years of age. It was adopted from by a rescue group, pulled from a shelter, and we have, because most dogs are going to be vaccinated when they come into or leave the shelter, so we have on record, for sure, one vaccine. Do we give another and my answer, if it's a young, fairly young dog, the answer is yes. If the dog is really much older, let's say you're great out there and we love when you do this, you adopt a six or seven-year-old dog. There are many, and I think I'm sort of becoming one of them, that believe that if this dog did not have ample protection, being in the shelter, being on the streets, being wherever, it wouldn't be here with us by six or seven years of age to find that new forever home. So clearly, that dog has enough immunity, whether it came from a vaccine, whether it came from street natural immunity, whatever. So I would take that one vaccine that he or she received, which they always do, coming in the shelter and leaving well enough alone and making that your new date of vaccine. Now, so now you have your dog, you went through the puppy series or the rescue, you've gotten it, it's two or three vaccines, you've waited on the rabies, you gave the rabies a little bit after the other vaccines. Now what? What do we do about revaccination? And this is where, again, I will defer to your own veterinarians, but I'm going to take advantage of my microphone right here, standing on my soapbox right here, and give my two cents. We as a profession have been over-vaccinating. I think all agree. I mean, even the man- vaccine manufacturers agree. How do I know this? Why? Because they used to tell us we had to vaccinate every year. And now they're saying, oh, well, it's, uh, we can do two years. Oh, well, we can do three years. So clearly, it started to bother enough people who said, wait a second, wait a second. I get a vaccine. My kids got vaccines when they were babies. I had mine when I was a baby. And I've never had one since. I mean, obviously, when I went to the Amazon jungle and worked with Amazon Cares and rescued and spayed, neutered a bunch of dogs and cats, yes, I was in the jungle. I had a lot of other vaccines that I needed because I'd never had them before. But we definitely don't need to vaccinate every year. Now, some things like Bordetella, which I mentioned, is not a virus. It's a bacterium. The vaccine that often uses a killed bacterium, it doesn't really have the staying power where it can continue to replicate in the body. Therefore, yes, when it comes to Bordetella, I still recommend it every year. Rattlesnake vaccine every year, Lyme every year. But when it comes to distemper, parvo, modified live vaccines, rabies, which is now in most municipalities every three years, the others were every three years. And so I would at least do that. Now, I've been doing something. I know I've spoken about this before. I would love to know if any of your veterinarians are doing this as well or recommending this as well on a regular basis. And that is the titer test. If you knew, let me ask you a question. If you knew that your dog 
was protected against, again, we'll take it back to the distemper virus, the parvovirus, both both deadly, would you vaccinate? If your answer is yes, then don't uh, do a titer test. But my answer would be no. I think vaccines are great. There's a place. But to give a vaccine where you don't need it, to give, for example, we're going to talk about cats another time, maybe next week, maybe the week after, but to give a cat, an indoor-only cat, a vaccine against rabies, unless it's required by law in your state, in my opinion, absurd. How about feline leukemia virus? In my opinion, absurd. How about feline infectious peritonitis, the FIP virus? Well, we already know that's not a great vaccine. And we already know that it's, if anything, prevalent, more prevalent in cattery situations. We already know that the virus itself is pretty much everywhere in the environment. So your cat doesn't have FIP, hopefully, right? I have six. They're not running around with FIP. They're all indoors. What do I need to vaccinate them for? They either have enough of their own immunity, they're not going to be exposed. So if there's no risk of exposure, right, what? Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you have gotten yourself, you that do not work in the animal world, have rabies vaccines? How many have gotten rabies vaccines? I mean, it's possible. Read reports. There are there's rabies out there. Are all of you running to your doctors to get a rabies shot? Why? Because the risk of exposure is so low. Speaking of rabies, every veterinary student has to get a rabies shot. And I, of course, freshman year, this is 35, six years ago, I got myself a, a rabies shot. And so they say it's good for about 10 years in a person. I was at a trade show a few years ago, and one of the options we had getting our blood drawn was to, let's see, you know, do a rabies titer. How am I doing on my rabies shot? I mean, I figured it's been 30 years. I, I, I sure I know I'm going to need one if I do, and I don't work with rabies. I don't work with wild animals. So I probably wouldn't get one anyway anymore, but, you know... P.S., I had a high titer, very high titer. I do not even need a rabies shot. So would I want to give myself another one? I mean, I wasn't going to give myself another one anyway. But do I, now that I know I have a high titer, how absurd. So why are we vaccinating our dogs as often as we do without even knowing whether or not they even need it? So I have become, I've been for doing this for years, an advocate now that the test kits are available in-house to your veterinarian. They are not very expensive. I like to know if I'm going to give a shot, if it's a distemper and a parvo shot, I want to make sure my patient needs it because if they don't need it, I'm not going to give it. And I would tell you that most of my clients appreciate not having to give a shot that's not necessary. So rabies, by law, yep, we got to do it every three years here. It's, I, I know some states are still one year. Bordetella, only because it's not that great a shot. As a matter of fact, speaking of Bordetella, and the prevalence of it in our area because of the lifestyle here in Southern California and everybody taking their dogs everywhere and dog parks and, and working parents dropping their dogs off at doggy daycare every day, it's actually, because it's really a bacterin, not a vaccine, it is only good for, like they say, six to seven months anyway. So most of these places, and rightly so, are recommending the Bordetella vaccine every six months. Now, if you have a dog that's not frequenting these places, doesn't really do a lot of walks, doesn't go to the dog park, then I think once a year is still okay. And as I said, cats, we will take care of another time. Anyway, I'd like to know, send me an email to drjeff at petliferadio.com. Give me a call at 877-385-8882. And uh, let's see what your, uh, what your doctors say. I also wanted to... Uh, Real quickly, finish with a cute story. This was written by my good friend and colleague, Dr. Ernie Ward, on uh, the Pet Health Network. And he wanted to know, what would your dog do if you feigned fainting, like you faked it? Is your dog going to come and save you, lick you in the face like you see on TV? Is your dog going to be like Lassie? So he ran a little studies with a bunch of dogs. And sadly, now it could be a lot of reasons, but guess what? 
Your dog doesn't give a darn. Uh, if you take him outside, as you're walking outside, you fake like you're fainting. The leash drops. Your dog is gone. Uh, he might say, he can't, might keep looking back at you and say, okay, come on, Dad, I'm, I'm waiting for you. But the, the whole thing of running to get help like, like Lassie would just doesn't happen. Now, interestingly, as a side note, a while ago, I used to have a boat and I used to go do a lot of water skiing and I used to take my dogs, you know, they would come on the boat with me. And I had a Labrador. My second lab, his name was Woody. And when I would put Woodrow in the boat, I had to stop taking him because every time I jumped in the water and I'm sitting there waiting for the boat to, you know, hit it and waiting for the boat to take off and get up on the ski, he would try to jump in the water to save me. Now, I don't know if he was saving me or if he was just thinking, oh, my God, look at this huge swimming pool. And when we swim, dad goes in with me and I play with dad. So I think I'm gonna, it's, it's playtime. But he did often jump in what appeared to grab me and save me, which I thought was kind of cute. But most of the time, they're not. If, in fact, they you – know, we don't know. The question is, is, as my friend Ernie, Dr. Ward, summarizes at the end, that it could be that – they know it's not real. That dogs have a really amazing innate sense about danger. And if truly it was real, he feels or he, at least he hopes that his dogs will help him out in a situation like that. But he also cautions you that if you were wanted to try this with your own dogs, which I think would be really a cute thing to try, be careful where you do it. Don't do it in the middle of the street because a lot of these dogs are going to take off, leave you on the ground <laughs> saying, Goodbye, and I'm going to finish this walk by myself, and that could be dangerous. So if you're going to do it, do it in the backyard. See what happens. See if they come around. See if they lick you. See if they even care. Anyway, thanks for joining me today here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets. Once again, thanks for our sponsors, ProSense and Kong. And uh, uh, if you have any questions, anything you want to talk about, please write me at drjeff, drjeff at petliferadio.com, and we will cite you. We will call your name out, thanking you for the question, and we'll talk about it on our next show or the show after that. And once again, write that number down, 877-385-8882. Maybe you'll surprise me next week. And by the time I start the show at 9 on Pacific and noon Eastern, we will have a caller ready and waiting. Have a great week, everybody. See you next week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.